Well, good morning. It is time to get started. I hate to break up the fellowship, but we are so glad that you're with us in worship today. We want to welcome each one of you. If you are a guest of ours today, there's a care card located in the pew rack there in front of you. Take one of those and fill in your information. We'd like to have a record of you being here and get some information uh, in your hands. If there are things you'd like to know about, whether it be community groups or men's or ladies' ministries or whatever would interest you, you can check those. As you leave today, place those in the boxes on the round table in the foyer, and we'll make sure those get in the right hands. And also on the back of the care card for everyone is a place to put prayer requests. Those are directed to the staff, and we do pray for those. And so I want to encourage you, if you have a need in your life, to, to also fill that out, place that in the box as you leave uh, this morning. But thank you again for coming and being a part of our service today. And let me just say to the church in general, thank you for all that you do in giving. You know, we ask a lot of you this time of year uh, to give towards things. We try to provide opportunities for you to, to give to those maybe in need. Uh, today is no different in our service today. Uh, we're going to be having an emphasis on our Lottie Moon Christmas uh, offering, and that will happen at the end of the service as a response. And all of those funds that we take up uh, this morning go to our international missionary support, every penny of it. And so we have a goal as a church of $100,000, which seems like a lot. Last year, I think we went a little over 103000 I think, 105000 somewhere in that area. And so we've set the goal at 100000 this year, which is a pretty lofty goal. Uh, but you folks always seem to step up to the plate and do that. So we're thinking about that. We do leave that offering open through the end of January. So if you did not, if you weren't prepared today to give, uh, we do leave that open through the end of the January uh, month. So please be praying about what God would have you to give towards that missions offering. I also want to let you know that the 208th Army Band will be here this Saturday at 6 p.m. in the Worship Center for a Christmas concert. I had to miss that last year, and I hated that because when I got back, everybody told me how awesome it was, and I was mad at them. So I'm coming this year, and want to encourage you to be here and get here a little early because it will probably fill up quickly uh, with word of mouth. They said last year it was fantastic, so be here. That starts at 6 o'clock next Saturday. And then next Sunday is our church choir's Christmas concert during our 1015 worship hour. And so we want to encourage you to invite someone, a family member, maybe a neighbor, a friend that you have to come with you. Uh, st statistics show if you invite somebody to come with you, folks will come to church. And you can meet them, tell them where you're going to want to meet them, in the parking lot even, and walk in with them and sit together. That would be a great opportunity to invite someone to be a part of that service. We look forward to what the choir has been working on, and that will happen next week at 1015. Our men's ministry will be delivering fruit baskets and gift cards this Tuesday. I think I announced it last week as last Tuesday. It's actually this Tuesday night, beginning at 6 o'clock from the core. Uh, Seth Williams is organizing that. And, men, if you can help by donating $10, you can either designate that in the offering plate uh, or, or put it in one of the boxes. And then also you give it to Seth Williams if you see him and let him know. We do have also a cancellation. We were supposed to go to Operation Christmas Child this Tuesday. Well, they have finished all the boxes they have now, which is a great thing. We hate we can't go, uh, but we're not going to be able to go this Tuesday evening because they have finished those. We are planning a day trip in January, toward the end of January, January so be listening for more details uh, about that trip. Uh, again, so glad that you're here. Listen to this scripture, very uh, common this time of year, found in Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 7. It says, And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. 
In the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into the heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. Folks, do you need a little bit of peace this time of year? Aren't you glad that we serve the Prince of Peace? Boy, this world's in chaos, but God offers us peace through the salvation of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you don't know him, I would, I would, I would ask you, please think about accepting Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace, and inviting peace into your life. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, we do thank you for this time of year to think about what you gave us, God, the greatest wrapped gift that's ever been given in your son, Jesus. God, we thank you for that. And God, I pray if there's anyone here that doesn't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, that maybe even today they would understand the real meaning of Christmas. And maybe today say yes to the prompting of the Holy Spirit and become your child. God, we pray for this service. We pray for Jonathan as he leads us in the choir and music, as we worship you that way. God, in our giving, that we would worship you today. In the message that your servant has studied, we pray for Pastor Scott, that you'd guide him, lead him, give him wisdom today. Just speak through his mouth and let our hearts hear the message you want us to hear today. God, we do pray for the prayer needs that are represented in this room. I'm sure everyone seated here has a struggle maybe in their life. Maybe even right now they're silently praying that to you. God, we pray for wisdom in those areas too. God, be with those this year during the Christmas holidays that are uh, having some difficulties, maybe with a, the loss of a loved one. This time of year brings up those feelings. And so we, got, we ask God that you would be with them and give them the peace that only you uh, can give. God, give us a wonderful day today. Help us to think about how we can serve you and love you. And God, if there are things we need to change in our life, that we'd be willing to do that today. And we ask this in Jesus' name. We walk through the Christmas season steeped in happiness. Under warm, glowing lights, gifts wrapped and labeled, pies and cookies prepared. But if we peer through all the extravaganza, we'll hear the soft cry of a shivering baby and feel the prick of divine joy. Our homes and streets are lit with ornaments of the season. But Jesus came to light up our souls. We long for joy every single day of the year. The kind of joy that still lingers when there's no light, when the gifts from the world have stopped and the music just sounds like noise. God gave us an unexpected joy. 
that fills empty spaces and is easy to find if we're willing to look. It's a joy that crosses boundaries and breaks down walls, that finds the lonely on hilltops in the curious and faraway lands. It delights in arriving into unexpected places and circumstances, like a manger in a little town called Bethlehem. Let me, Lord, spread that kind of joy to the world. Amen.
friends, happy holidays and Merry Christmas um, all the way from South Asia. For those of you who don't know me, I um, my name is Katie and I've been serving with the International Mission Board for almost two years now, um, which has been such a, a gift from God to be able to live out this calling that he's placed on my life and just be a part of what he's uh, doing here um, in the city. God has been just so faithful. It's been such a sweet season to labor alongside uh, national brothers and sisters who have really just caught on to this, the vision and, and want to live out um, the Great Commission and make disciples here uh, in the city and, and reach those who they're close to but are far from God. Um, so it's been it's been a really sweet season in that, and I just want to say thank you so much for how you have uh, encouraged me and reached out and supported me and prayed for me and just really held the rope while I've been here. Um, I remember worshiping alongside you in August when I was there for a few weeks, and many of you asked how you can um, support me and be a part of what God is doing here. I remember Scott talking about what it looks like, what it looks like to live a life on mission, both locally and internationally. And um, if you haven't noticed, it's that season of giving to to Lottie Moon. Um, and as you've asked how you can support me, Lottie Moon is a great way to do that. All of those funds and your giving towards Lottie Moon goes to support missionaries on the field. Um, it's what keeps us here. It's what uh, allows us to keep doing what our what we're doing and live live life um, here and um, keep battling this this greatest uh, need that we see, the greatest problem that we see, which is lostness. So uh, your your giving helps um, helps this work continue. Uh, so I just wanted to encourage you in this season and as many of you asked how you can be a part of what, what God is doing, uh, giving to Lottie Moon is is a great uh, practical and tangible way to do that. So I just want to say thank you so much for your prayers and support. I'm praying for you in this season and excited to uh, hear from you. Um, thank you for forgiving and just being so faithful to to support um, what God is doing uh, to get the gospel, um, this good news uh, to the nations. Hi, Faith Baptist Church. Um, every year uh, around Christmas time and leading up into Christmas time, we uh, gather money for what is known as the Lottie Moon Christmas Offering. And so uh, what this is, this is a offering that is used to support international missions. And so for people who are sharing the gospel all over the world uh, to places that have little to no access to the good news of Jesus. And so every year that money that you guys so graciously and open-handedly give goes to that fund, uh, and just to that fund, and so that, uh, like I said, that people like myself and others can live in these really, really hard-to-reach places where there's not a church on every corner, um, and the good news about Jesus isn't as accessible as it gets to be here in the United States. Um, where I live is a place where we have a word that translates 
they translate generosity into open-handedness. And I'd like to say that God has used the people of this church, Pitts Baptist, in their open-handedness in the past uh, and in the present and in the future to continue his work all around the world. So I just want to thank you for what you've already done. And I'm looking forward to how God is using your open-handedness to continue his great work. Thank you. Amen. That's two young people out of our church right here at Pitts. Uh, you'll notice in the videos, there's, there, there are no identifying markers as to where they are serving because they are serving in difficult places in the world where we are not even supposed to uh, identify where they are. And uh, folks, think of that. Two of the young people out of this congregation going to places like that in the world where it can be detrimental to their safety even. And uh, we as a church are very proud of them and uh, eager to support them. The International Mission Board tells us that for each person serving overseas, it takes about $60,000 a year to support each one. We have two. Uh, our goal, as Kevin mentioned earlier, is 100000 Last year we gave uh, actually almost uh, creeping up towards 110000 and two years ago about 103000 So it's a goal that is uh, achievable uh, for us. We have proven that the past two years. And it will be open beyond today. In fact, we keep the Lottie Moon uh, offering open through the end of January. If you did not come prepared to give today, uh, you still have plenty of time. I mentioned to you last week that uh, I'm taking a page out of an article I read some weeks ago. We've been in the Gospel of Mark, just walking through the Gospel passage by passage. But in this article, it was uh, saying to pastors, pastors in light of the fact that we are losing so many of the foundations in our society today of Christianity. This Christmas season, uh, please put aside whatever series you're doing and preach on the traditional Christmas narratives that people want to hear as they come to church in this season of the year. And so last week we began doing that. We'll continue that today. I want to encourage you to find Matthew chapter 2 in your copy of the scripture. And we're going to be looking at the Magi this morning. Seeking, finding, worshiping. Looking at the wise men from Matthew chapter 2. And I'll be reading from verse, uh, verses 1 down through verse 12. I would like to invite you to stand with me for the reading of God's word. Matthew writes, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. 
They told him in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. That's a quote from Micah 5.2. Then, then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Father, we're so grateful for the example of these wise men who had heard of the birth of Jesus, the one who is the King of kings and Lord of lords. And they came to find him and to worship him and to offer their best unto him. And God, we would assume that if we were able to follow their lives in the months and the years and the decades after this, we would see that they were changed men forever. Because we're told in the Bible, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Lord, I believe these men were new creations. They came to know your Son, our Savior, and their lives were changed. God, I pray that this Christmas season we would all come looking and searching. And, and if there are any who don't know Christ, that you would open their eyes and open their hearts to believe. And those of us who have already made that journey, Lord, that our hearts would be stirred and provoked. That our faith would be stirred afresh and anew. That this would be a time of the year that our lives would experience something of a revival in our devotion to you. Lord, use this text. All I can do is speak to ears. I pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to our minds and hearts. And may we all be able to say, all glory and honor be unto God. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Folks, I want, I want you to take just a moment with me this morning to listen very carefully to the words of the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 55, a passage perhaps some of you even may know from heart. Isaiah says, incline your ear. Of course, this is God speaking through the prophet. Incline your ear and come to me here that your soul may live. And I will make with you an everlasting covenant 
my steadfast, sure love for David. Behold, I made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and commander for the peoples. Behold, you shall call a nation that you do not know, and a nation that did not know you shall run to you because of the Lord your God and of the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. And then in Jeremiah 29, the scripture says, Then you will call unto me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek for me with all of your heart. And you know, that's what we find the wise men doing in our text today. Folks, many scholars liken what these wise men are doing in Matthew 2 to what the Queen of Sheba did in the Old Testament when she came to pay a visit to a son of David, namely Solomon, when Solomon was made king. Well, in Matthew 2, we see that these Gentile wise men who were rulers and leaders in their own right, they came to see the one who was prophesied about in the Old Testament. Not simply a son of David, but the son of David. All of this is taking place in fulfillment of what Isaiah says in Isaiah chapter 60 and verse 3 that says the nations would come seeking the Lord. Folks, there's a great deal that is taking place here in Matthew chapter 2. There's no mistake what's uh, happening here. Matthew is presenting Jesus as the true son of David. The one they've been waiting for. He is the king of kings. And beginning in Matthew 1 with the uh, genealogy, Matthew has been showing this and he continues uh, showing this right on through our current chapter. Matthew wants us to see that Jesus is the rightful king. He's the rightful king. He's Lord. He is worthy of our worship. He is worthy of our service. We see the Magi, the kingmakers, as they were often thought of, coming not to make Jesus king, but to simply recognize that he is already king, and they offer their gifts to him. Now there's a number of striking contrasts, some very unfortunate contrasts in this passage as well. Uh, on the one hand, here is Herod. Herod is the illegitimate king. And he is trying to kill the rightful and the true king. And then here are these Gentile kingmakers. They've made this long and exhausting journey to seek the true king when Jesus' own people, even the religious leaders, seem to care less. They don't appear to be the least bit interested. These wise men have traveled from perhaps thousands of miles away over not just days, but weeks and months. And the religious crowd in Jerusalem will not even go six miles down to Bethlehem 
to investigate what these wise men are speaking of. But you know, in pointing out these unusual and surprising contrasts, Matthew is showing us also the surprising reactions and responses to Jesus Christ. And these same responses occur even today. Maybe even in this room here this morning. There is only one worthy response to news of the birth of a Savior. And that's what we're going to see this morning. The other responses are not legitimate. There's only one legitimate response to news of the birth of the Son of God. And I want us this morning to start with the correct response. Number one, if you want to take notes on your sermon note page, I want you to see that at Christmas time, we are reminded that there is to be sincere worship of Jesus Christ. Read with me again verses 1 and 2. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. Now in light of who these men were, and we'll, we'll go into more detail about their identity in just a moment, but in light of, of the honor that these men were held in, I want you to think about the, uh, what the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, when Paul says, For consider your calling, brethren, that there were not many mighty according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things which are strong. What's Paul saying there? You look at the scene going on in the world and there's not many noble, not many rich, not many noble who pursue after God. But this is not saying that there are none. There are different places in the scripture just like here that we see mighty men, we see nobles, we see wealthy seeking after Jesus. And that's what these wise men would have, would have been. They were some of... Uh, some of the most well-known and respected people of their region of the world. And they've come searching for Jesus. You know, that's a remarkable thing about the life of Jesus. In Luke's gospel, Luke presents the down-and-outers, the lowly, the outcast, seeking after the Lord. And the Lord ministering to them. He's ministering to people like shepherds. Shepherds were not even allowed to testify in the courts of law because out in the fields keeping their flocks, they weren't able to observe all of the relig religious rituals that were demanded of them to be able to go into the temple and to be able to go into the courts of law and testify. But here are the shepherds and the good news is coming to them. Luke presents Jesus reaching out to women. And touching the lives of women and changing them. And here Matthew shows us the rich and the noble coming to seek after Jesus. And it shows us something. 
Jesus is for the world. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but shall have everlasting life. Whether you're Jew, Gentile, rich, poor, black, white, whatever nationality you belong to, whatever your economic uh, standing is, Jesus Christ is for you. He came to bear your sin. Now there's a couple of things in our text that have been the subject of a great deal of speculation. And the first uh, item of speculation has to do with the identity of these wise men. The magi. The uh, magos or magoi. As, as they were known, the great, the powerful ones. Who were they? And how many of them were there? From what we know, the Magi first appear in history in the 7th century B.C. as a tribe within the Median nation in eastern Mesopotamia. It, it may also be like Abraham that they came from ancient Ur of Chaldea. Now the name Magi soon came to be associated uh, strictly with the priesthood within that tribe. They became skilled in astronomy and in astrology. They were also involved in various occult practices including sorcery. And they were especially noted for their ability to interpret dreams. In fact, it's from their name that our words magic and magician are derived. Well, because of their combined knowledge of science and agriculture and mathematics and history and the occult, their religious and political influence had continued to grow until they became the most prominent and powerful group of advisors within the Medo-Persian Empire and also the Babylonian Empire. They were referred to as the wise men. And folks, no Persian was ever able to become king without mastering the disciplines of the Magi and then being approved and crowned by the Magi. And so they were known as the king makers. Now we learn from the book of Daniel that they were among some of the highest ranking officials in Babylon. And because of God's blessing on Daniel's life, even though Daniel was not one of the magi, he was placed over all of the wise men of Babylon, including the magi. It seems certain that the magi probably had learned about the living and the true God from none other than Daniel. Now we have no idea exactly how many of them that there were. In fact, believe it or not, I've read estimates that, that in this entourage that came looking for the baby Jesus, there, there probably were at least 300 in this caravan. I mean just three men coming into town. And we say three, why? Because of the gifts that they presented. 
you know, we learn a lot more about Christmas probably and sadly from Christmas cards than we do from the Bible. And we see that because there were three gifts, three wise men, but probably uh, as many as 300. I've even read estimates that there were up to 1,000 people traveling with these wise men in this caravan. Because after all, what happened when they got into Jerusalem? All of Jerusalem was in quite an uproar over these wise men that probably wouldn't have happened if there were only just three of them I mean it's a large entourage of people and so I guess what I'm saying is you need a bigger table at home to display your nativity scenes okay you need to include a whole lot more people in it. Another point of curiosity is the star. Some have understood this star that they followed in purely naturalistic terms. Like maybe it was a comet. That was even the view of one of our early church fathers, a man by the name of Origen of Alexandria. Johannes Kepler, the father of modern astronomy, he explained it as the conjunction of Jupiter and Saturn in the constellation of Pisces in the year 7 BC. But you know what, folks? I don't think any of those explanations are adequate. I think it's a miraculous phenomenon here, it's something supernatural. This would have been like the Shekinah glory of God that led the children of Israel in the wilderness after they left Egypt. Because only something like the Shekinah glory of God could have led the wise men over the desert to Jerusalem and even reappeared to them after their initial meeting with Herod and guided them to Bethlehem and then stopped over where the child was. A comet or a star would not have operated this way. But again, what is it that Matthew is wanting you and me to understand? He is wanting us to see how here were influential Gentiles. People that the Jews would have said were outside of the chosen people of God. And, and indeed they were outside of the covenant people of God. But Matthew is showing us how even Gentiles are being included in the purposes of God. Because here are Gentiles coming and looking for the Messiah when his own people are going to reject him. We see their humility. I mean, again, they were important in their own countries. People would have been coming looking for them, seeking them. And yet, they're like children who are humble and are seeking the truth. They're looking for Jesus. They're wise men, we see their wisdom. They're wise enough to seek after Jesus. Somehow or another, God had made known to them the birth of Jesus. And the result is that they knew they had to go in search of him. And they had to find him. They simply had to find him that they could worship him. And I would ask this Christmas season, are you and I wise enough to do the same. Folks, we have a more reliable guide. 
the Scripture. And through the Scripture, we learn all about Jesus. We learn about the prophecies leading up to his birth. We learn about his birth. We learn about his life and ministry, his death, burial, and resurrection and ascension, and the fact that one day he's coming back for his bride, the church. We learn all of these things from the pages of Scripture. There's not a mystery about it. All you and I have to do is open the pages of our Bibles and begin reading, begin seeking. Are we wise and humble enough to do that? You know, there's a common saying, wise men still seek him. And that's true. Think about those verses that I opened with today again. Isaiah 55 verse 6, seek the Lord while he may be found, call upon him while he is near. And Jeremiah 29, when you call upon me and come and pray to me, I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. They found out about Christ through the scripture likewise. Through the spiritual leaders. The spiritual leaders who didn't seem to be all that interested in what the wise men were asking them about. Yet the, yet the, the religious leaders were able to quote the prophecy from uh, Micah 5.2 where the, where the Messiah would be born. They're able to tell them through the pages of scripture. And so folks in the Bible we learn about Jesus. Here are these wise men who have traveled so many miles to find Jesus. But you know what? We don't have to travel far today. It's like the Apostle Paul says in Romans 10. He says, but the righteousness based on faith speaks thus. Do not say in your heart, who will ascend into heaven? That is to bring Christ down. Or who will descend into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we are preaching. That if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. You see what the scripture is saying? He is near to all of us through the study of Scripture. He's near to all of us. He can be found. I'll never forget the testimony of Dr. John MacArthur talking about how one day uh, in his pastor's study, a Jewish man came to see him. And Dr. MacArthur began talking to this Jewish man about the Lord. He could tell that the Jewish man was seeking to know more than he could learn simply from the Old Testament. He was wanting to find out uh, if Jesus really was the, the long-awaited for Messiah who's already come. And Dr. MacArthur said, I, I simply told him to go home and every day begin reading from the Gospel of John and just saying, Lord, if Jesus is is indeed the Messiah just show me Dr. MacArthur said a number of days and weeks went by and finally that man came back to see him and Dr. MacArthur said have you found out who Jesus is and the Jewish man said oh yeah I know he's the Lord he's the Messiah he's the Savior of the world we find him in the scripture 
this Christmas, spend time seeking the Lord on the pages of the Scripture. Again, these wise men found out about Jesus, where he was, through the prophecy of Micah and the religious leaders telling them. And they cared enough to go and investigate and see. And when they saw, they worshipped. A second thing I want you to see with me this morning. At Christmas time, we're reminded that there is surprising opposition to Jesus Christ. We see in these verses uh, descriptions and actions of a man by the name of Herod who was the ruler at this time of this area. And folks, Herod is a perfect analogy of all of those down through history who remain in opposition to Jesus Christ. Now, who exactly was this particular Herod? Because you see, there's a number of Herods in the Bible. And this is the Herod who was known as Herod the Great. Julius Caesar had appointed his father Antipater to be the governor of Judea. Antipater then managed to have his son Herod appointed prefect of Galilee. Herod went to Rome in 40 BC and he petitioned the Roman Senate to be made king of the Jews and he was declared by Octavian and Antony to be so. He invaded Palestine the next year and after several years of fighting, he drove out the Parthians and established his kingdom. But you know, he wasn't Jewish. He was an Edomite, a descendant of Esau. Probably to help his image, he had married a woman by the name of Mariane. She was a descendant of the famous Maccabeans. The family who had led the charge in the Maccabean revolt who were larger than life heroes to the Jewish people. She was heiress to the Jewish Hasmonean house. Now no doubt by marrying her, Herod was hoping this would make him more palatable to the Jews. He was clever. He was also a capable leader and warrior. But at the same time, he was cruel and without mercy. And he was incredibly jealous and afraid of his position and power. His wife's brother was Aristobulus, the high priest. Herod had him drowned and then threw an incredibly magnificent funeral which he attended and pretended to weep his eyes out. And then he had Mariamna, his wife, murdered, who many said was his favorite wife, that he was deeply in love with her. But he thought she was scheming against him. He had her murdered and then mourned her for months. If he had his favorite wife murdered, can you imagine what would happen if you weren't his favorite wife? And he had about eight of them. He then had her mother murdered as well. In addition to that, he killed two of his very own sons. 
five days before his own death, he had his third son murdered. And finally, so that there would be sadness and crying in Jerusalem, uh, on the day of his death, he had many of the distinguished citizens of Jerusalem arrested and imprisoned, and he gave orders for them to be executed at the precise moment that he himself died. And so you can see this was a wicked man. He was insanely paranoid and jealous of those around him. He was constantly thinking somebody was coming to take his power and to unseat his rule. He tolerated no rivals. Nor did he even tolerate anybody who could be a potential rival. And so when the wise men came and said to him, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? This would have no doubt enraged him. These wise men were basically saying, We've come to worship him and recognize him as the true king. And by implication, Herod, this is not who you are. You're not the one we're looking for. And so this would have filled Herod with jealousy and paranoia. Folks, many today remain hostile to Jesus Christ. Not in the same way as Herod, but the same result. They don't want to hear about Christ. They don't want to recognize that he is the true King of kings and Lord of lords. They're not going to bow the knee to Jesus Christ. They're not going to share the rule of their life with anyone, not even with Christ. You know, in John 1 we read, The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. That word comprehend there can also mean to overcome. The light shines in the darkness... The darkness tries to overcome it, and yet it cannot. And as surprising as it may seem to us, all over the world there are those who reject Jesus Christ. And if they could have their own way, they would totally push him out of uh, any knowledge in society. They want nothing to be known about Christ. They don't want to recognize in themselves and they don't even want people to talk about him. I mean, what have we read in the news just this week? Kirk Cameron in his children's book on, on faith and family values. He's contacted about 50 libraries and prominent cities across America to see if he can have reading hours with children talking about his Christian faith and family values and these libraries have said no we don't share those values but at the same time they'll let drag queens come in and have reading hours with children folks think of some of the hostility to Christ that we're seeing all around us today. And you know what I think as believers, we're probably going to encounter that more and more and more as the years and the decades click by. Are you ready for that? Am I ready for that? Hostility to Jesus Christ. But aren't you glad we know the end of the story? I like what Paul says in Philippians 2, at the name of Jesus Christ, every knee will bow one day and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. 
But folks, for now, Herod has his descendants all over the world. There are people in fierce opposition to Christ. But a third thing I want you to see. At Christmas time, we're reminded that there is stunning indifference to Jesus Christ. Pick up reading with me in verse 3. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him and assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. And then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them the time the star had appeared. I want to focus on these religious leaders a moment. This may be the most dangerous response of all to news of Jesus Christ. It certainly appears to me as I read this text that the people who should have cared the most about what they were hearing from these wise men, it appears that they don't seem to care at all. I'll say more about that in a moment. But representing this crowd, we see the chief priest. First among the chief priests would have been the high priest. Now, according to the Old Testament, there was to be but one high priest at a time who served for life and whose special duty was to enter the Holy of Holies one time a year on the Day of Atonement and offer sacrifice for all the people. But by the time of Christ, the office of high priest had become uh, subject to political favoritism and even purchase high priests were appointed and removed at the whim of various rulers and consequently there could be several living and serving at at one time the ruling high priest also presided over the Sanhedrin and they were a type of combined senate and supreme court another of the chief priests was the captain of the temple he was appointed by the high priest and was accountable to him he was given the the power to arrest and imprison and so he was allowed to have a rather large contingent of soldiers all Jewish at his disposal and they acted as the temple police and then you had the priest who acted as the temple treasurer and finally among the chief priests you had those priests who were in charge of all the other priests who showed up at the temple to carry out their priestly duties all of these people are referred to here collectively as the chief priest that these wise men went to asking this question. And what does the Bible say was the response? Herod was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. In other words, folks, this was the gossip on the street. Because again, a large entourage this way of, uh, this, this way of wise men couldn't have been hidden everybody knew about them being in town their presence had caused quite a stir and everybody's troubled because they know how Herod's going to respond 
But the striking thing to me here is these magi have come from the east. Then there's Herod who calls all the chief priests together and the scribes to inquire about the location where the Messiah is to be born. And here's the whole town that's troubled about it and yet nobody but the wise men go six miles down the road to Bethlehem to investigate. Folks, I find that shocking. Here's the people who know all the answers. Here's all the people who are troubled. And yet no one really seems to care. Nobody goes to investigate. And the tense that's used in verse 5, it stands written, is significant. The tense shows that they accept the words of Micah about Jesus being born in Bethlehem. It stands written is the significance of the text. They don't question what the prophet Micah says about where the Messiah is going to be born. And here these guys have come riding into town saying we've seen his star in the east. We've come to find him. We've come to worship him. They tell him what Micah says and nobody goes. Folks, I I just I don't know about you, but I find that shocking. The birth of the Messiah would have been the best news anybody had ever heard. He was the one they had been waiting on for hundreds of years, but they don't even go to see. What's going on? What's going on with these religious leaders? I think they're just apathetic. Or maybe they didn't think it was going to happen this way. When it happened, God would do it some other way. Maybe they just don't care. They can be like people today who seem to have all of the answers. They just don't care. They're familiar with the scripture. They're familiar with the Christmas story. But all it produces is a collective yawn. They know the Bible. They know what it says about Jesus. They know what it says about salvation. But they just don't bother themselves. Life is good. They think they're okay. And they're just indifferent to it all. You think there are people like that around us today? You better believe it. I bet you work with people. You go to school with people. You live around people. You may have people in your family They know all of the answers about Jesus. They've been exposed to it. But if you were to ask them what they've done with Jesus, they've done nothing with him. Now folks, think about how irrational that is. If Jesus is who the Bible says he is and he came to do what the Bible says he came to do and and he can change your life and my life, and save us and, and give us abundant life, you would think that we would do anything in the world to know Him and experience Him in our lives, right? You would think anybody who believes anything about Jesus would, would want to know Him and walk with Him intimately and have him, have him work in their lives. But what do most people do? Just don't seem to bother. 
It's shocking. It reminds me of what Jesus said in Revelation 3 about the church at Laodicea. He said, I know your deeds that you're neither cold nor hot. I wish you were one or the other. So because you're lukewarm, you're neither hot or cold, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. You say of yourself, I'm rich, I've become wealthy, and I have need of nothing But I would advise you to buy from me gold refined by the fire, that you may become rich, and white garments that you may clothe yourselves, and eye salve to anoint your eyes that you may see. Here were people at Laodicea saying, Hey, we've got everything we need. And Jesus said, You don't understand how blind and poor and naked you really are. Apathy. Complacency. I don't even want to bother with all of this. That's probably where many of the people you associate with this Christmas season, that's probably, if you really got down to it, that's where they are in their lives. They know the answers, they know what they should be doing, but they just don't. And they're not even bothering themselves to find out more. I wonder if I could be talking to somebody here this morning. You say, no, because I'm here. Well, maybe somebody drug you here. And you just, you just don't care. That's how these religious leaders were. To me, they are the guiltiest of all. Because what does the Bible say? To whom much is given, what? Much is required. Think about that. To whom much is given, much is required. All the knowledge these chief priests had gained through the years apparently didn't mean anything. It made them more accountable. All of the knowledge that you and I have of the Bible It makes us what? More accountable. Not less, but more. What are you and I doing with Jesus? Are we seeking Him? Are we walking intimately with Him? Are we obeying Him? Are we listening to Him? Are we worshiping Him? Or are we like these religious leaders who know all the answers, but ah, we don't even bother? dangerous place to be some time ago I was listening to a testimony of Dr. Michael Reeves he's a professor at Oxford University in the UK and he is a specialist on the Puritans now as he says you have to understand the context of when the Puritans lived they lived at a time where Many of them had not been able to have the Bible in their hands or the Bible in their language. And so when they finally got that, they were so eager, they would go to church and the Puritan preachers were known to preach sermons up to six or seven hours long. Wow, that would even be long for me. 
And one of them, it's, he, Dr. Michael Reeves said, he looked, he, he, he checked out the time. Two hours had gone by since he had started his sermon. He apologized to the crowd because it was so long already and he was nowhere near finished. And one of them said, dear sir, for the Lord's sake, keep going, keep preaching. We're here, here to listen. That's how hungry they were. And later on when there was opposition to the Puritans happening, uh, Michael Reeves said there were testimonies of some of them that were telling the authorities, you can take our homes, you can take our businesses, you can take everything that we have, but please do not take our Bibles. They were hungry. You say, Pastor, what's your point? Are we so familiar with everything today like these chief priests and scribes? We know everything and have everything. And we're not even looking and caring anymore the way we should. Examine your own heart in this matter. You and I cannot afford to be indifferent to Christ. We can't afford to be indifferent. I've got a lot more to say. I, could, I wouldn't go six or seven hours, but I've got a lot more. But I, I need to wrap up. Let me skip over some stuff and just come to some takeaways at the end. Lesson number one. We are to go out of our way to be true seekers and worshipers of the Lord. We are to go out of our way to be true seekers and worshipers of the Lord. These wise men put in everything to find the true king. He's worth any effort. Seek him with your whole heart and life. You will not be disappointed. You will not be disappointed. Second takeaway, don't be surprised by people in the culture who are hostile to Jesus. And they may even be that way toward you when they learn of your faith. If people were later hostile to Jesus himself, they will be to us. The servant is not greater than the master. Don't expect that everyone in this fallen world is going to love you over your faith. In fact, Jesus said you may even have enemies within your own home. And he talked about parents being against children and children against parents. What can we do? Pray that their eyes would be opened. When a Christian can do nothing else, we can pray. And then a third takeaway. Apparently indifference on the part of the religious is what offends God the most. He told the Laodiceans, I will spit you out of my mouth. You're neither hot nor cold. Folks, don't be like the religious leaders in our passage who seem to know all of the answers but were completely unmoved by it all. You know, down through history, the religious folks have oftentimes been the most difficult people to reach with the gospel because they believe they're safe and secure. You know what that means? That means you and I, this Christmas season, we need to be asking God to examine our hearts and saying, God, 
If there is any apathy or complacency that you see in my heart, God, drive it from my life. Drive it from my heart. I want to be done with it. Would you pray a prayer like that? God, drive any apathy or complacency from my heart. I want to be done with it. And Lord, I want to be like the wise men in this text who stopped at nothing. Think of the time. Think of the expense involved in their journey. And then when they got there, what they offered to him, they offered him their best, everything they had. And the gifts they offered, there's another sermon in that. I wanted to cover that this morning, but there's another sermon in that. But what they offered, they gave of their best. We need to be like them. God, make me more like them. Father, thank you for these wise men. Wise men who had been outside of the covenant people of God. They had been pagan men. Well known in their own respective cultures. But there was a hunger in their hearts to know more about the Messiah. And when you made him known, his birth known to them, they stopped at nothing to travel and see for themselves. Oh God, I pray that's how we would be. This Christmas season and every day of our lives, may we be like them. Lord, help us not to be like the religious leaders who just didn't seem to bother. God, drive that apathy from our hearts. May it not be a part of our lives anymore. May we be true seekers and worshipers. And may we offer ourselves to you in full surrender. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.